Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles, beginning on page 4 or on screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Father God, creator of the universe, and guide of all history, we cannot begin to comprehend you or our world. Please focus our attention and ready our hearts to humbly listen and obediently apply what you tell us in your word today. Amen. Crowds followed Jesus. He went up a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him. Then Jesus taught them. Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard it said, was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. 
But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the middle of the day. The blue sky is bereft of clouds. And that hot Palestinian sun is roasting everyone sitting and standing under it. But no one cared. Normally, we are busy working in our wood shops, cutting stone on a Roman construction site. Some of us are normally busy mending nets by the Sea of Galilee, just down this mountain. Others are often busy baking bread and getting things ready for dinner. Others would be working the fields, plowing and planting. But here we are, part of the teeming mass of humanity from Zebulun and Naphtali and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Jericho and Judea. And all of us are pushing and jostling and straining to hear the words and see the miracles of this Nazarene that many are hoping, 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 hoping is the Messiah, the one. People everywhere, I mean everywhere, are talking about his electrifying preaching and teaching of Torah. And I give him credit. My kids are repeating his main message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not since the days of Elijah has there been this explosion and miraculous wave of Yahweh's power. He is curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And his fame has spread all the way north to Syria. It's like an open-air hospital. People are bringing their sick ones, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, the blind. He cures them all. I saw it with my own eyes. And then without any announcement, he looked out at the crowds, and for a moment I thought he was looking at me. And then he abruptly turned and went further up the mountain, and he sat down, and these friends of his followed him. And as if, as if hypnotized, the crowd surged forward toward him. 
And some people sat down, others stood, mothers and fathers with their children waited. What would he do? What would he say next? You know, for us, the poor and the uneducated of the land, scrimping out a living from the land and the sea, that day we felt seen when he talked about the blessings of Yahweh on the poor in spirit. We felt seen when he talked about those who mourn and the meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who experience persecution for trying to do the right thing. And then he said this to everyone, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we all kind of looked around in wonder, is he serious? With strong emotion, he urged all of us, don't lose your saltiness. Don't cover your light. Let it shine so that all of your friends and your neighbors can see your good works and give glory to God. And when he said those words, smiles and sounds of, of, of approval just rippled through the crowd, mostly peasants, because we thought we had nothing to offer. But not everyone was mesmerized by his teaching. Some accused him of trying to put himself up above Moses, trying to change Torah teachings. But he didn't care. He didn't care what people thought about him. Instead, he defended his position and provoked the religious leaders in the crowd. I mean, he was merciless on the day that I was there. He said, I know you think I'm a lawbreaker and that I don't respect Torah. That's what people say about me, but don't believe what they say about me. I'm not here to abolish the teachings of Torah. I'm not here to deconstruct the teachings of the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. I've come to bring out the meaning that many of you don't seem to get. I have a high view of all that scripture teaches. And then he declared the most outrageous comment when he said that heaven and earth will pass away before one letter or one marking over a letter is changed. And I thought to myself, is he saying this for shock value? If you break one of the least commandments and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you practice the teachings of scripture and teach others to do the same, you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And when he said this, people started looking at the flushed faces of the scribes and the Pharisees in the crowd. Everyone knew that this Nazarene was speaking about them. And the religious leaders fumed with rage and with embarrassment when he finally said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then it became clear to me that he wasn't going after any one group. He was speaking to all of us. His call to join his kingdom was like anything the rabbis taught in the synagogues. And then he paused for a moment as if he was gathering his thoughts. And then he said this very, very familiar line from Torah. You have heard that it was said of those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. And someone in the crowd, I don't know who it was, somebody in the crowd shouted out, Amen. And the Nazarene quickly added, 
Don't you know that if you're angry with a sibling, you'll be liable to judgment? Don't you know if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council? Don't you know if you say, you fool, you idiot, you'll be liable to the fires of Gehenna? Silence. No more nodding of the head. No more amens. And then he leaned in. And he said, I want you to be committed to reconciliation. And even though his comments disturbed the large crowd, everyone knew that his words make, made sense because unchecked anger is a breeding ground for vengeance, for malice, for hate, and is a pathway to physical violence and murder. Anger kills your brother or your sister first in your heart, long before you murder someone physically. But he doesn't stop there. He showed us how to control anger and how to practice reconciliation. He said, don't be a hypocrite. If you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother, your sister has something against you, he said, get up. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first. First, be reconciled to your sibling and then come and offer your gift. In other words, what he was telling us that day was you make the first move. Don't wait for them. Because of human pride, don't wait for them. Because if you don't go, things will only get worse. And then without missing a beat, he told the large crowd about sexual purity. The men, including myself, we just kind of looked straight ahead. But the women, though, the women turned and looked knowingly at each other. Parents were wondering what their children were thinking, hearing this man speak so explicitly about sex. Of course, he quoted Moses again. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But, and by now, when he says but, he follows up with this out-of-this-world statement. But, I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. That's ridiculous, some of the men blurted out. Unfazed, he pushed ahead with an example that actually caused some of the people in the crowd to laugh, but it made the point about sexual purity from the heart. He said adultery is both physical and it's emotional. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. And everyone, everyone knew he wasn't talking about self-mutilation. But what he was doing, he was urging us, he was urging the crowd to push back on sexual impurity and lust. And by this time, no one in the crowd sitting or standing on that mountainside was surprised when he moved to the next point. He turned his thoughts to marriage and he challenged the men and some women to resist the tide of current practice and commit to marriage and say no to divorce. And once again, he quoted from memory the words of Moses. He said, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. That was the standard practice and power granted to men. But, there he goes again, 
I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And some of the women in the crowd, they started crying. And we all knew why. Because it was such a common practice that men were marrying and divorcing their wives for silly, silly reasons. Men had the power over women. And divorce left these women homeless, desperate, susceptible to all kinds of abuse. I thought to myself, this man really cares about women. And the murmuring in the crowd was swelling, and everyone looked at their rabbis and their religious leaders for a response, but they were just as surprised by his teachings. No one had ever heard scriptures explained and illustrated in such a forceful manner. He said to the men, be committed to your marriage vows. They're permanent. They're binding. They can be broken, though. When someone goes outside of the covenant and is sexually unfaithful, and then he adds, what strengthens your commitment to marriage is to be committed to honesty. Relationships are built on trust, and trust and truth are the same. Once again, using the same teaching style, he states the obvious. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you've made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. What I thought I heard him saying was, commit to honesty and truth-telling. Just, just let your yes be a plain yes, and your no be a plain no. Don't rely on extreme vows and oaths to convince others of your integrity. Just practice telling the truth, and people will trust you. And as he has been doing since he's been sitting on that mountain, he makes another extreme upsetting statement that stunned all of us. He says, when you do less than tell the truth, you are in league with the great Satan, the devil, the evil one. And we were just astounded at his teaching for he taught as one having authority and not as our local scribes. I looked around and noticed that some of the people by this time were walking away in disgust. Some had broken off into little groups and they were debating and denouncing it. You could see fingers stabbing the air, pointing back at him, either defending or denouncing this teacher with his demanding out-of-this-world understanding of Torah. But one thing is clear to everyone. This man is not impressed with traditional religious practices that major on external conformity while neglecting the heart and our inward corruption. He's calling for transformation from the heart. He's calling for an inside-out kind of living. My family and friends, as we were walking home, we couldn't stop talking about what we heard. But we also noticed that everything he said poured out from him with grace and with truth and with love 
And we admired his boldness. We admired his courage to call the rich and the poor to follow his four commitments from the heart. A commitment to reconciliation. Because without this practice, we not only kill relationships, but we may end up killing people. We talked about his commitment to sexual purity because without this practice, we objectify women and we devalue them and we commit emotional adultery, which often leads to physical adultery, which ultimately destroys marriage. His radical commitment to marriage vows because without this practice, we resort to the easy way out. And from his perspective, even though he was a single man and all of us noted it, from his perspective, divorce isn't always the answer. And I think all of us, as we were walking home, felt challenged by his words to commit to honesty, to speak the truth. Because without this practice, we undermine all relationships. We undermine community life by manipulating and spinning the truth by means of extreme oaths and vows. Now, you and I weren't there on the mountainside with the masses of people, but it's over 2,000 years later, and his words and his spirit are here. They're right here in Evanston. They're right here in this country. They're right here in this church. And just as the people on the mountainside were challenged and upset and puzzled, we need to answer the same questions. What will we do with his teachings? What will we do with his call to commit to his four defining practices from our hearts? What will we do? Let's pray together. Jesus, Messiah, we weren't there on that mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And yet you're here. You're here in your spirit. And already this morning we have heard your indestructible, unchanging word. Lord, forgive us for the ways we present our public selves while ignoring our private selves. Forgive us for the ways we live with anger and stew in it and plot and consider revenge. Forgive us for the ways we devalue our sisters, for the ways we easily dispose of our marital vows, and for the ways, Lord, we tell lies so as to get ahead and impress others. Lord, forgive us. In your mercy, hear our prayers. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.